Business is battle. On Business Wars, we learn what it takes to win by looking closely at ambitious battles like the one in our latest series, Food Delivery Wars, and our new book, The Art of Business Wars, gets to the very heart of each conflict, unearthing all the valuable lessons. Go to Wondery.com slash The Art of Business Wars to order your copy now. Join Wondery Plus to listen to Business Wars one week early and ad-free in the Wondery app. Download the Wondery app in your Apple or Google Play mobile app store today. December 2014, Chicago. Matt Maloney is sitting in the Grubhub office. The Midwest winter wind is howling outside. Snow already covers the ground. He runs his fingers through his brown hair and sighs. It's been a busy year. His first as CEO of a publicly traded company. Maloney looks up. His co-founder, Mike Evans, is at the door. Hey, Mike, what's up? Evans holds up his phone. Did you see this Amazon news? No, what's going on? Evans starts reading from an article. This past week, Amazon quietly launched online takeout and delivery via Amazon Local. The service only appears to be live in Amazon's hometown of Seattle for now, but you can be certain that the company has much larger ambitions. Evans slumps down into a chair in front of Maloney's desk. Maloney looks at him. Amazon already has the infrastructure. If people start using them to order food, we're screwed. Yeah, and it's not just them. Uber's expanding its meal delivery program. Postmates just announced they've completed a million deliveries. DoorDash is raising more money and growing like crazy. They're still small compared to us, but they're gaining ground. Maloney purses his lips. Evans is right. Their company, Grubhub, does have a decade of experience and arguably the best website and most popular food ordering app. But it has a weak spot. They still don't do their own deliveries. They're just the middleman between restaurants and customers. And their competitor, Uber, is forging the bridge between them. Uber's huge fleet of independent drivers gives them a major advantage. And then there's Postmates. That company is prime for growth. They're a shiny new toy, and their mobile-friendly platform is seductive to investors. Maloney shakes his head. We gotta do something before they can catch up to us. Evans looks out the window, then back at Maloney. So, what do we do? (sighs) We're gonna have to do delivery too, but we don't have time to build a network of drivers from scratch. So we're gonna have to buy them. What do you mean? We're going to have to acquire the ability to deliver. Evans smiles and nods. This is a genius idea. They have cash on their books thanks to their recent IPO. They can afford to spend what they need to grow. Maloney calls his assistant. Hi, can you put together a list of regional delivery apps we can acquire? Maloney and Evans know that even though they're the biggest contender... They're under threat from Postmates, DoorDash, and Uber Eats. It's deliver or die. Within a few months, Grubhub acquires two new companies, dining in and restaurants on the run. With competitors nipping at their heels, they had little choice. Grubhub had to join the delivery game to stay on top or risk flaming out. (laughs) 
Enjoy a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies Black Friday in July event. Get amazing savings with up to 50% off high-performance computers and tech built for business. And be able to take your office with you with Windows 10 Pro. Plus, get great offers on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and more, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Call 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. And speak with a Dell Technologies advisor today. Louisiana's diverse landscapes include dense timber forests and seafood-rich coastlines. And every step along the way, you'll find a business environment that's strong, diverse, and ripe with opportunity. Need proof? Louisiana is where NASA and higher ed partners build rockets that will soon put the first women on the moon. It's also where the port system delivers the most domestic cargo in the U.S. And Louisiana is home to the best workforce development program in the country. See what Louisiana economic development can do for you. Visit OpportunityLouisiana.com today. From Wondery, I'm David Brown, and this is Business Wars. In our last episode, Tony Shu started DoorDash in an effort to help small businesses like his mom's Chinese restaurant. German-born Bastian Lehman launched Postmates to deliver furniture before pivoting to food. Grubhub founders Matt Maloney and Mike Evans decided local pizza should be as easy to find online as apartments. And Uber's Travis Kalanick recognized that food delivery was the next logical step in his empire. Now we're picking up with all four competitors looking to win the golden meal ticket. Getting too big to beat. This is Episode 3, Deliver or Die. Spring 2015, a tiny Italian restaurant in New York City. It's a busy night in the kitchen, but the front of the restaurant is almost empty. That's because the restaurant owner recently signed up with DoorDash. The company just launched in the city and it's been taking off. The owner sits at one of the empty tables, quietly doing his accounting for the month. Hi, I'm here to pick up a DoorDash order for Sarah. The restaurant owner hands over the bag and goes back to his numbers. But something isn't adding up. He looks down his glasses and squints at the bottom line. That can't be right. And then he realizes it's the DoorDash commission eating into his profit. DoorDash is charging a 20 to 25% commission fee on every single order. He starts to look closer. DoorDash gobbled $6 of a $32 food bill. Panic is slowly rising as he examines the other delivery orders. There's one from Grubhub. For that website, the restaurant owner has a choice in the percentage fee, anywhere from 12.5% to 20%. The more he pays, though, the higher up his restaurant appears in search results. Right now, he's getting a flood of orders, but he's paying a 17.5% commission. And he just can't afford it. On to the next page. 
Postmates. They're charging similar fees. His staff has been complaining about the lack of tips. When people dine in, they leave a tip that gets split between the servers and cooks. But with delivery, there's no tip for the in-house staff, and no one orders drinks, a crucial moneymaker in an industry known for its slim margins. Thanks to these food delivery apps, this Italian restaurant is clocking more orders than ever. But without the owner realizing, the delivery services have been killing his small business. And the drivers aren't happy either. June 2015, a room in San Francisco's Civic Center. On one side of the room, a crowd of Uber executives and their lawyers are gathered for a very important hearing. On the other side is an Uber driver. Well, former driver. She's suing the ride-sharing app for refusing to cover mileage and tolls. Uber, meanwhile, argues that because she's an independent contractor, not an employee, those costs are her responsibility. <clears throat> California's labor commissioner clears his throat. All right, I've made my decision. This driver should be classified as an employee of the company. Uber is involved in every aspect of the operation, from vetting drivers and their vehicles to setting rates for trip fares and is therefore legally an employer of its drivers. I hereby order Uber to pay her $4,100 to cover the costs of vehicle mileage and tolls for the three months she was driving for Uber. The Uber executives are aghast. This is bad, very bad. Uber's profit model relies on not having to pay its drivers health insurance or job-related expenses. Uber argues it's not an employer, just an app that matches passengers with rides. The company is facing several lawsuits over similar employee issues across California. And this ruling sets a precedent. If they're legally required to pay drivers and cover their costs, not only will that hurt the bottom line, but it could affect their valuation. The Uber ruling also has major implications for Grubhub, Postmates, and DoorDash. If they can't classify their drivers as contractors either, they're in trouble too, especially DoorDash. The other companies have recently benefited from the flood of venture capital in the past year and a half, which boosted their stock price. But DoorDash is in the middle of raising money to fund its expansion. This ruling could make potential investors very nervous. DoorDash figures the best bet is to get out in front of this by closing a funding round as soon as possible. Fall 2015, Palo Alto, California. Tony Shu walks into a conference room at a venture capital firm. Across the table are two investors, dressed in the Silicon Valley uniform of dark jeans and puffer vests. After some pleasantries, Shu makes his pitch. DoorDash started off 2015 with just four markets, and over the past 12 months we've added another 18 markets, including two in Canada, for a total of 22 markets covering more than 250 cities. The investors nod along. Now, we're seeking to raise $100 million at a $1 billion valuation. One of the investors raises his eyebrows. But what about these lawsuits that want to classify your contractors as employees? Won't that raise your labor costs? Shu looks at his notes. We're convinced we'll be able to win these legal battles, 
and continue using our existing business model. The investors, however, are not convinced. I'm sorry, Tony. I love you guys, but I just don't think we can buy in at this price. The market is so saturated. I, I mean, between you, Postmates, and Uber Eats, we're not looking to back any more food delivery businesses. Shu isn't ready to give up yet. But we aren't just a food delivery business. In the past year, we've teamed up with 7-Eleven so people can add grocery store items to their DoorDash orders. We're a logistics company. Yes, and so are Uber Eats, Postmates, and Amazon. Shu's face falls. But when we talked in the fall, you were interested. I know, but the market has changed. We would still put money in, but not at a billion-dollar valuation. We'd invest closer to a $600 million valuation like your last round. Shu gathers his notes. The investors are still willing to give him money, but he feels like they're undervaluing his company. They don't see the potential for growth and improvement. Well, thank you for your time. They shake hands and Shu walks out. But beneath his calm exterior, he's shattered. Shu calls his co-founder and CTO, Andy Fang. Andy, uh, they turned us down. Damn it. What are we going to do? Shu thinks for a second. We need to show them that we're not like these other companies, that we can guarantee a profit. Fang waits patiently for Shu to lay out his plan. We need to go back to our roots. All our competitors are focused on cutting costs for the customers. We're going to focus on the restaurateur. You know, the small businesses we wanted to help, like my mom's. Okay, well, so how are we going to do that? Uh, Rather than making it cheaper for the consumer, we're going to increase sales for the restaurant. We're going to get a greater selection of restaurants, more than any of the others, And we're going to get them loads of orders. (laughs) You make it sound simple. It is. If we stick to our guns, we're going to win. I promise you. Fang isn't convinced. But he trusts Xu. A greater selection of restaurants could help attract more users and drive down costs. If they can do that, they can get investors back on board. But some of their tactics aren't exactly what you'd call above board. Late 2015, San Francisco, DoorDash headquarters. A meeting room is full of new dashers, company jargon for delivery people. They're holding clipboards and signing papers. Some are already clutching the big red insulated bag they'll be using to transport food. The dashers settle into their seats. On the screen in front of them, a training video starts playing. DoorDash, delightful delivery. Introduction to DoorDash. The video walks through the basics. What DoorDash does. How the DoorDash app works. Then the video talks about payment for drivers. DoorDash won't be paying for gas or any other car costs. That's on the driver. Next, the video explains there are partner restaurants, meaning restaurants DoorDash has contracts with. And... Non-partner restaurants. These are establishments where DoorDash doesn't have an established relationship, but drivers can still pick up orders. And then, the video lays out a protocol that raises some eyebrows. Do not use the word DoorDash in a non-partner restaurant. 
There's no need to mention DoorDash in these cases because not all the staff know that we don't have a relationship with the restaurant. Some of the dashers take notes, others not along. It seems innocent enough, but this instruction is pretty noteworthy. DoorDash has been coming under fire for listing restaurants on its website and app without permission. Many of the restaurants refused a DoorDash partnership because of the high fees. It's a tactic DoorDash shares with Postmates, which has been doing the same thing and has also been taking heat from restaurants. Sometimes DoorDash and Postmates list items at a higher price than the restaurant's own menu. So angry restaurateurs demand Postmates and DoorDash remove them from their service. Fed up, In-N-Out even files a lawsuit against DoorDash, claiming that even after In-N-Out asked to be removed, DoorDash is still listing it on its app. While those services battle it out with restaurant owners, Grubhub continues its shopping spree. It buys a restaurant delivery service called Delivered Dish, making its delivery footprint even bigger. And that's a problem for DoorDash, because it's already working overtime to attract customers. And now, it's facing more competition than ever before. Los Angeles, March 1st, 2016. It's a brisk, sunny day on Fairfax Avenue. A driver in a black Prius pulls up to the familiar red building with white cursive letters that spell out the name of the popular deli, Cantor's. It's lunchtime, and the line to order stretches to the door. But the driver skips the line and walks right up to the counter. Hi, I've got an Uber Eats order for Sarah. Coming right up. The woman behind the counter hands the driver a brown paper bag with a receipt stapled on the outside. He gets back in his car. His app gives him directions to Sarah's office down Beverly Boulevard toward one of the many office blocks in Beverly Hills. As he approaches, Uber Eats alerts Sarah. She heads downstairs to the front door. Sarah? Thanks so much. Have a great day. The driver gets back in the car and looks at his Uber Eats app. Sarah paid a $4.99 delivery fee in addition to the cost of the sandwich. But then his eyes get to the tip line. He frowns. No tip? But she seemed so nice. He's not happy. He only gets paid for the distance between picking up the food and delivering it to Sarah. For that, he receives a few dollars flat payment plus a certain amount per mile. Cantor's doesn't fare so well either. Uber takes a big bite, 25% of the deli's tab. Even though it might be a raw deal for the drivers, Uber's advertising makes it sound like a great opportunity for restaurants. Now that we're delivering with Uber Eats, our business has grown so much, and it's just like found business. To put it bluntly, they do real numbers. With just Uber Eats, we're probably doing about 100 deliveries a day. I couldn't ask for a more trustworthy partner. They got the logistics game on lock because we all use Ubers to get everywhere in the world now. A year ago, Uber started slowly with an option focused on selectivity, only offering a set menu from one restaurant at a time. But CEO Travis Kalanick quickly realized that Uber Eats had huge potential and directed his team to build out a separate app. Now, as a standalone app, Uber Eats is playing to win. 
In 2016, food delivery is still a very small part of the overall restaurant economy, representing less than 10% of its sales. As more and more platforms chase customers, delivery sales are on course to explode. But restaurant owners won't be toasting their fortunes. Far from it. In April 2016, about a month after the official launch of the Uber Eats app, Kalanick learns just how far his new venture has to go to catch up. Postmates' financials are leaked to the press, and they show that the company is making massive inroads. Their revenue grew sixfold in 2015. By now, Postmates is fulfilling a million orders a month. Then, they roll out Postmates Unlimited. Instead of paying for individual deliveries, users pay a flat fee of $9.99 a month for unlimited delivery. And folks quickly sign on. Postmates and Uber Eats are revving their engines. But Uber will leave them in the dust when it signs up America's favorite restaurant. Wish you were in early on some of the best-performing IPOs of 2019 and 2020? Our crowd investors were. And now you can join them in what's next. With our crowd, accredited investors have access to invest directly, easily, and most importantly, early. Our crowd investors have benefited from our crowd companies IPOing like Beyond Meat or being bought by companies like Intel, Nike, Microsoft, and Oracle. Our crowd's investment professionals leverage their extensive network to review some of the most promising private companies and startups in the world. They've already reviewed thousands of companies, invested hundreds of millions of dollars, closed investments in over 200 companies, and chosen dozens of companies that have made exits. Today, you can join our crowd's investment in Zippin, innovating the trillion-dollar retail industry with checkout-free technology. Already deployed by the world's largest food service company, Zippin is ahead of the game as the retail world adopts the safety and efficiency of contactless payments. You can get in early on Zippin and other unique opportunities at OurCrowd.com BW. If you're interested in investing, you need to join OurCrowd. The OurCrowd account is free. Just go to OurCrowd.com BW. Where's my order? Where's my order? Where's my order? Break free from customer support monotony. Welcome to Intercom for Customer Support, the business messenger that uses chatbots, shared inboxes, apps, and more. Intercom's business messenger resolves questions that can be answered automatically, so customer support feels less like Groundhog Day and more like help is on the way. Go to intercom.com support to learn more about Intercom's business messenger for customer support. December 2016, Miami, Florida. It's a balmy evening and a light breeze is swaying through the palm trees. An Uber Eats driver glances down at the black insulated delivery bag in her front seat. She's just got her first order of the night and she's rushing to get it there quickly. Uber was recently authorized to operate in Miami and the nightlife loving city is buying in big time. But it's still early and ride requests are only trickling in. So the driver's picking up extra work delivering food instead of people. A familiar golden arch comes into view. This 
can't be right. She checks her GPS and cranes her neck to look out the window and slows to make the turn. No, this is definitely right. She pulls up to the intercom. Hi, I'm here to pick up an order for Uber Eats for Gary. We'll be right with you. Just pull up to the next window. She leans over to grab the brown paper bag covered in red and yellow writing. Then she tucks it into her insulated bag. This is her first ever pickup from McDonald's. And it won't be her last. Uber Eats just launched their first major restaurant chain partnership with McDonald's in Miami. And it's a game changer. Postmates has Chipotle. DoorDash has Wendy's and the Cheesecake Factory. But McDonald's is bigger than all of them, with close to 37,000 locations and more than $24 billion in annual revenue. With McDonald's, Uber Eats sees orders skyrocket, close to 30% in Miami. Sure, some of the orders are for a few dollars worth of food, and Uber Eats ends up losing money on them. But the company is gaining critical mass by adding users. Uber Eats is becoming a go-to for hungry, impatient customers across socioeconomic strata. After a successful test run in Miami, Uber Eats expands the company's partnership with McDonald's nationwide. And slowly, it begins to claw market share away from Grubhub and DoorDash. Uber Eats remains under the firm command of 37-year-old Jason Drogi, one of founder and CEO Travis Kalanick's protégés, who led the company's food delivery project from the start. But Uber is undergoing unprecedented turbulence, even for Silicon Valley. By June 20th, 2017, the board makes a bold choice. Kalanick, their infamous bad boy leader, who's come under fire for various misdeeds, is forced to leave. An older, more subdued figure, Dara Khosrowshahi, replaces him. No one knows whether this new CEO will be able to rehabilitate public perception of Uber and, by extension, Uber Eats. Right now, that's anyone's guess. February 2018, downtown San Francisco. A courtroom is packed with journalists, Grubhub executives, and some delivery drivers. They've gathered to hear a ruling that could change their futures. U.S. Magistrate Judge Jacqueline Scott Corley starts talking. I have decided that this driver does not qualify for the protections of employees under California law. Grubhub executives have to keep from clapping their hands. Corley continues. If Mr. Lawson is an employee, he has rights to minimum wage, overtime, expense reimbursement, and workers' compensation benefits. If he is not, he gets none. Based on what the court observed at trial and the facts found, the court finds that during the four months Mr. Lawson performed delivery services for Grubhub, he was an independent contractor. Accordingly, judgment must be entered in favor of Grubhub and against Mr. Lawson. The drivers are devastated. Drivers have been saying that even though they're working essentially full-time hours, they aren't getting any benefits, and some are barely making ends meet. Others say they haven't been earning enough to cover repairs on their car or to make the gas money on the trip worth it. 
This decision is a huge deal, especially because of the state it's in. California has high standards for establishing workers as independent contractors. This is the first time a judge has ruled in the company's favor, not the employees. And it sets an important precedent. If Grubhub can continue to convince California judges that its drivers are contractors, not employees, then it will probably be able to do so across the rest of the country, too. The lawsuit also spells a win for Uber Eats, Postmates, and DoorDash. DoorDash has been gradually picking up steam as it signs more and more restaurants onto its service. In August 2018, DoorDash goes back to investors, showing off the fruits of its new strategy, and raises $250 million at a $4 billion valuation. It's proof of how successful Shu's model of prioritizing restaurants over customers has been. But DoorDash isn't the only one seeing gains. Postmates is on the rise, thanks to its celebrity fans. It's June 2018, and Kylie Jenner, the youngest member of the Kardashian-Jenner family and one of the most followed people in the world, is hungry. She orders Postmates again and again while on a photo shoot. In total, she places five orders in one day. Postmates executives are ecstatic. The company has her share her Postmates receipts on their blog. She spends $10,000 on Postmates in a year. A few months later, in September 2018, Postmates raises $300 million in a deal that values it at $1.2 billion. Bastian Lehman's little startup is officially a Silicon Valley unicorn. Meanwhile, Uber Eats focuses on restaurants with fast delivery. That strategy is winning over the young professional crowd who prize speed over everything else. And while Postmates focuses on cool places like Sugarfish Sushi and Milk Bar, DoorDash's comeback is all about sheer volume. In December 2018, DoorDash overtakes Uber Eats to hold second place in total U.S. food delivery sales behind Grubhub. But DoorDash will struggle to hold on to market share when Uber Eats decides to buy its way to the top. On the next episode, the delivery apps consolidate in order to grow, but a major California proposition threatens the business model of all the companies. From Wondery, this is Episode 3 of Food Delivery Wars for Business Wars. If you like our show, please give us a five-star rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends. Follow Business Wars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, the Wondery app, or wherever you're listening right now. Listen ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. You'll also find some links and offers from our sponsors in the episode notes. Supporting them helps us keep offering our shows for free. Another way you can support the show is by filling out a small survey at wondery.com survey. And tell us which business stories you'd like to hear. A quick note about recreations you've been hearing. In most cases, we can't know exactly what was said. Those scenes are dramatizations, but they're based on historical research. I'm your host, David Brown. Natalie Robomed wrote this story. Karen Lowe is our senior producer and editor. Edited and produced by Emily Frost. 
Voice acting by Michelle Phillippe. Sound design by Kyle Randall. Kate Young is our associate producer. Our producer is Dave Schilling. Our executive producers are Jenny Lauer-Beckman and Marshall Louie. Created by Hernan Lopez. For Wondery. Hey, I'm Mike Corey, the host of Wandery's show, Against the Odds. In our next season, I'm telling an amazing true story about American sailors who wrecked their ship off the coast of Africa in 1815. They're captured by a nomadic tribe. To escape, they will need to cross the largest hot desert in the world to reach civilization. They will battle against blistering heat, inhumane conditions, hunger, and thirst. Their heroic fight to get home will have a much greater impact than just on their own lives. It will influence a future president and change the course of American history in ways that are still felt today. This is the true story of the men who made it, and it's one that you don't want to miss. Subscribe to Against the Odds on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, the Wondery app, or wherever you're listening right now.